CJ Peterson, and welcome to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. Today, my guest is Ruth Biza, and we're going to be talking about her passion. Let's just say we titled the podcast, This Is Your Era. Yeah. So welcome, Ruth, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, CJ. This is, this is exciting. We'll get to This Is Your Era in just a second. Before we do, yeah. though, um, I love your statement on the form that we met it on. I'm going to mm -hmm. go ahead and read it. It says, I'm passionate about building businesses for impact and want to inspire others to get out of their comfort zones and step into their power. Would you please explain yeah. to those listening what you mean by that? Yes. So for me, really, the meaning behind that is just that combination of success and, and fulfillment. Um, you know, for, for a while, you, a lot of people, which I'm sure many people can relate, you're chasing success. You want that, that drive. You, you want that freedom and in, in essence that, you know, having success brings along, but then there's just that extra piece of fulfillment that's just, you know, missing out of it. And for me, I get a lot of fulfillment when I'm able to just make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I found was that through business, I could do that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the business is kind of like the vehicle, right? That enables me then to feel fulfilled because the success you get, or let's say the money you get out of it, I'm using that then to impact other people's lives. So that allowed me to just pivot that mindset and be like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to start focusing on building businesses that are not only successful, but there's an impact to it. And then hope that that will inspire other people because at the end of it all, your legacy is, is, is what matters when you're long gone, right? What are people going to remember you for? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be that, you know, you made them a million bucks and you took care of the entire family or it was, you made that money, but then you were also able to use that to impact and influence lives. And those lives are then going to go on and impact other people. Exactly. Um, I kind of do the yeah. same thing with my books. Uh, a portion yeah. of our seeds actually go to different charities. Mm -hmm. I pick a charity that represents either that book or that series, and of course, the proceeds actually donate it to it. Yeah. So it's kind exactly. of the same idea. Um, can you explain to people what This Is Your Era is? So This Is My Era is basically, if you look at it, the first T-I-M-E is time. Oh, right, but we call it, yeah, so it's, this is my era where it's, this is your moment. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, your now. You don't have to wait until you, you know, make it in life um, until you start, you know, doing something impactful, right? This mm -hmm. is your time. This is your era. Wherever you are in your life or wherever you are, what stage you're in, use that platform. If you're in middle school, hey, pick up trash in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter. That's an impact, Right. So you want to use that time that you have. This is your time. This is your moment. This is your era. Love it. Can yeah. you explain a little bit about your backstory? Because on the journey as well, we like to know what brought you to that point. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Where do I begin? Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's go as far back. So I was originally born in Ghana in, in West Africa. And my family was like a middle class, you know, it wasn't anything, um, but we weren't, you know, starving or anything. And my upbringing for me, my mom has always, and now we look back and laugh now, but we're like, she was the unofficial foster parent in the neighborhood. She basically just 
took anybody in, invited people over. I've had so many moments where I had to sleep on the floor in the living room mm -hmm. so somebody could have my room or have my bed. Uh, we've had family members come through the door, friends, neighbors, um, people that we don't even know um, come through and it's just being able to watch how she was just so selfless about the things that she did. When she, and I guess tradition too plays a role in it because when she would cook, she always cooked extra. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why? There's just a few of us it's here. She was a really good role model though. Oh, absolutely. Role modeling love without having to spend thousands of dollars. Exactly, so exactly. Or somewhere to sleep and somewhere to eat. Exactly, absolutely. And you know, she always did the whole cook extra because she's like, you know what? Somebody will always come. And crazy thing is somebody always showed up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it they knew. It interesting, I'm sure. Yeah, they're like, I'm like, can they smell that the food is ready? Or do they know that food is ready? Because there are always, you know, people there or somebody there to eat the extras whenever food is ready. But um, for me, there were really two moments in my life growing up that, um, you know, kind of solidify this passion really about impact and, and, and business. Mm -hmm. And the first one is there's seven of us. So my mom has seven kids. Goodness. And I have, I'm lucky number seven. Oh, wow. So baby, <laughs> and, I'm four, so. Yeah. So I'm lucky number seven. And with um, a lot of the African tradition, like the youngest in the family or, or like a lot of times for kids were to be seen, but not heard. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was where I became more observant of things and started to just get in tune with my like empathetic side of things and just feel on the insides because I couldn't really express them. So I had to find ways where I could, I could just not, inter not internalize them in the way that it hurts me, but be able to internalize the process. Mm -hmm. And the first really experience for me in terms of, you know, finding my passion in business is, so in Ghana, public education is not free, like a lot of, um, you know, African countries where public school education is not free. So if you can't afford it, then you're not going to school. That's plain and simple. Um, so in the school that I was going to, they basically, <laughs> I'm trying to kind of phrase it in a way that doesn't seem so terrible because it wasn't bad then. But if you don't pay your tuition, basically the entire class will hear about it. And are you how they did it. Sorry? I said, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Mortified. And, oh, absolutely. And really how they would do it is that, you know, the bursar would walk and this happens during, you know, class time. And they would go from class to class and she would have a clipboard with names on it of students that hadn't paid for their tuition. And they would call, read out your name. When they did, you'd have to grab your backpack, grab your stuff, and then stand in front of the class as they were calling out all the other names. Wow. So it's, yep. So right. it was just- Your name was at the end of the alphabet, so you were up there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I'm there. They call my name. I grab my things. I'm standing up. And it's, it's not like when they call you, you grab your things and you walk out, right? You grab your things and you wait for them to go through the list. So if, if you're the last one, at least you don't stay there too long. Yeah. But the thing is, 
once you grab your stuff and you're waiting and they're done with the list, they will then give a little speech of, oh, you know, these guys are going home because they haven't paid their tuition. So if you want to continue your education, you like, <laughs> you know, that kind of speech. And wow. for me, yeah, it was one of the most embarrassing moments um, of your life because you're looking at your peers and their perspective of you starts to change, right? Because now it's the idea of, oh, well, they haven't paid their fees. They can't afford it. Oh, maybe we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do that. And this happened multiple times. We'd go home. A lot of us kids will come back to school the next day, even though, you know, it hadn't been paid. We'll still come back anyway. And, you know, it happened uh, a few times. But the crazy thing for me is I knew we were like a middle class family and we weren't rich, but we weren't struggling either. My, my dad had a really good job. So I knew seven they could. You, so getting seven kids through school is not going to be inexpensive. That's true. That is true. But I also knew, I was like, I'm pretty sure we can afford uh, the tuition. Well, fast forward a couple of years now, I think maybe, well, all the way ahead, maybe like three or four years later, my, well, now three or four years ago, I was talking to my mom and I'm like, I was sharing all these like moments and embarrassing experiences that I went through um, in school. And I was like, you know, I never thought about how that impacted me now. But as I talk and share my story with more and more people, I realized then it's, it's traumatic when you put a kid in front of the school like that um, and have that kind of um, conversation. And I learned that my dad was actually giving my mom um, money to pay for my tuition, but what she was actually doing was she was splitting it and helping to cover the tuition of my cousins and also other kids that oh. didn't have. <laughs> so, well, to me, I thought, oh, that's nice, but... <laughs> uh, you shared that with us so we knew what was going on. <laughs> right, right? So I'm thinking, well, it's, it's really generous and kind because she's like, well, your dad would always send more later. So I knew I could pay for yours later. Mm -hmm. But the other kids that didn't have anyone, I knew they needed it now. Mm -hmm. So I was using your money <laughs> to pay for them. And I'm like, I don't get your logic, but I get your heart behind it. Right. And so for me, that was really one of those first moments where that embarrassing feeling i was like i never want a child my age and i was probably i would say eight or nine around that time to experience something like that ever again i'm like but how can i make that happen so that some kid doesn't feel what i felt the shame the embarrassment just the like you're not worthy to be in this class with other people that you know had the money to go to school um, so that was like my first moment where I was like, okay, I, ha I have to figure out a plan. Well, and the thing, the thing that you mentioned is that if they don't have the money, they're not in school. Right. So they're already starting off way behind the curve. Yeah. So they need yep. that to, to go forward in life and go forward and also have, you know, the boost of confidence. Exactly. 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 And uh, it's so true. And for me, you know, the, the really the second experience that really notched that passion again for me where it's like this impact came from was 
it was more heartbreaking. The second one was also my mom and I, um, and I was around the same age, were in a taxi on our way um, heading home from the market. And my mom is like a bargainer. She wakes up super early. She's up by 4 a.m. Oh, wow. She tries, oh, she wakes up early and she tries to get to the market when, every, when all the produce and everything fresh is coming in. Mm-hmm. So that way she gets the freshest. She bargains you down until you probably like, all right, you could just take it for free. She sounds like a really <laughs> smart woman. I'm liking her. Oh, she is. She is incredibly like street smart. She is incredibly like there. And, um, but yeah, so on our way home, we had stopped at a red light. Um, and then this child, probably no, no older than maybe seven or eight, walked up to the taxi um, begging for money. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, she was just so young, she seemed out of place. Because I'm like, I'm in here with my mom. Where's her mom? Where are her parents? She's, you know, here begging on the streets, a, be- a very busy street too. It's not, you know, anything where a child her age should be. Um, and so my mom actually did ask her, I was like, why are you here? What are you doing here? So she pointed across the street and we saw on the sidewalk, her mom was actually sitting there, um, but her mom was blind and she was cradling like a younger kid. So Aww. I think that was like her youngest sibling. That's so heartbreaking. Exactly. So it was up to her to find food and money for them because the mom was blind and there was a baby as well. So the mom was on the sidewalk and, you know, she was doing the begging and the panhandling. And the crazy thing, too, is, you know, in in Ghana at the time, there was no soup kitchen. There was no food banks or something that could provide that support that, you know, if here you could go to a soup kitchen or you could go to no money, no food, food exactly. It's like nothing at all. And I was so heartbroken by, by just watching another kid. Cause I, I just couldn't comprehend going a day without eating. And, you know, I was eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacking in between as well. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. But that experience deep down, I just, I was like, this is so heartbreaking. This is, this is so sad. This is so unfair. And then I, rem- I remembered it. I'm like, okay, what can I do? I need to do something. Um, so, I mean, we fast forward a year, two years. I now left, I left Ghana um, and then moved to Zimbabwe mm-hmm. um, for, to continue my education. And in Zimbabwe, one of the, one of our field trips was going to an orphanage on the outskirts of, of the city to volunteer. And this was my, probably my eighth grade or ninth grade class, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we were given the permission slips to get our parents to sign it. And in addition to the permission slips, they gave us um, this fundraising paper where they're like, hey, take this home for the weekend, see how much you can raise for the orphanage. Uh-huh. And I was excited. So I'm like, oh my goodness. You get, get to help to them. Exactly. So uh-huh. I got home. I went to work. Uh, it was Friday morning. They let us out early. I went to the office with my dad that afternoon. I was, I was so determined. I'm like, I'm going to raise the most money. I'm going to make sure these kids have enough money to last them a lifetime. Because mm-hmm. in my head, what I was going to raise was all the money they ever needed. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Your so, heart was in the right place. <laughs> it was. It really was. So I went to the office with my dad mm-hmm. with my paper in hand. And 
Every single person I saw, I petitioned them for money. It did not matter if they gave me a dollar or 10. I took every single cent I could get from them. And I actually did end up raising the most money in my class. Awesome. And it was fantastic. But I think the joy really for me, the blessing really came in the faces that were like on the kids when we got to the orphanage and we brought them, you know, the book supplies, the groceries, the the toys. Mm -hmm. It was like the gratitude and the joy and on their faces is like something that when I relive and think about now, it's like I can still feel my excitement and my joy because I'm like, I did something to put that smile on their face. I did something to make an impact, you know, because like have you ever, yeah. Even something as simple as, um, you know, we went to the Dominican Republic. Something mm -hmm. as simple as we leave our uh, people who took care of our room, we leave them little toys for kids. Yeah. And they were like so thrilled and, and just, you know, and sometimes we went to a couple different places and there were kids and I just give them a toy. Yeah. Their faces just light up and you're like, you know, this is like a little two to $3 toy, but for them, exactly. everything, because they mm -hmm. don't have it. Yeah, it exactly. Makes your heart burst. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I always ask people like, like what, which I'm going to ask you to like, have you ever felt like, you know, when you look back on your life where it's like, life is not, it's not happening to you, mm -hmm. but it's really happening for you. So your experiences and your story could help build others up. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's always in the mindset. So when I go through anything or go through any experience, I'm like, this is not happening to me. It's happening for me. So mm -hmm. I can use that experience to help somebody else. Yeah. And I'm, I'm an author. So a lot of parts of my life are within yeah. the books that I write. And yeah. it, they help people. My husband and I decided to publish the books. The first things we said was, we're not doing it for the money. We're doing it to get the messages out that are in the books. If the books help people, then we've done our goal. And exactly. that's same idea sort of translated differently. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And really for me, those, those three moments in my life, like that embarrassment that I, that I felt and that heartbreak, um, you know, and watching other kids not have you know what I had because I didn't have much but what I had was way more mm -hmm. than you know what they did and then being able to then at a, such a young age do something so like significant for me in that moment I was like if I can get so many more of these smiles or so many more of like, this joy by just giving somebody a toy or you know a piece of candy how can I keep that feeling, you know, and that joy alive? And, you know, that's, that's one of those things that led me into basically, this is my era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as, yeah. And so what are you doing? What are you doing with this is my era? Because I know you've, you've translated those moments. Yeah. And you've actually taken those moments and you've created a business that does bring that same type of joy to people. Yeah. Because, yes. Could you share that with people? Absolutely. Yes. So for, so for me, Chris, for a very long time, being in business, like business was outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I never, my background is in psychology. Okay. So I, I believed I was going to be, you know, a marriage and family therapist. That was the goal. That was really the sole focus. So I got my, 
in the uh, undergrad, I did psychology. I got my master's in, in psychology. I did the internship in a treatment facility. I went through all of that process because I was like, I'm going to be a, a, a therapist. I'm going to be a counselor and all of these things. <laughs> and life had a different idea. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then, but along the way, as I'm going through and doing these group therapy sessions with people and sitting there and I'm realizing, okay, I'm making some kind of impact, but I'm still being taken back to all these moments in my life. And I'm like, how can I translate like psychology with, the education of these kids like how it just I couldn't bring myself to figure it out and I was like all right I need I need I need a plan I need to go outside of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. so I went I ended up going back to school and I got an MBA in marketing and I'm like okay if I can understand a little bit about business maybe I can build something that you know can combine whatever it is that I find and then use that to help supplement this impact that I still want to do. And that's exactly what I did. Got my MBA. And then in 2017, I was, so throughout going to um, college, getting my MBA, I was always obviously setting goals. I'm like, all right, what am I going to achieve? Once I hit this goal, what's next? What's next? What's next? And after a while, I was like, I need a process or I need something that's going to help me keep track of all these goals and ambitions and and everything that I was like so driven to do. Um, But in 2017, after being so frustrated with like finding a planner or something on the market, I was like, all right, I'm going to create my own planner so I can track my own goals and I can figure myself out. And um, so I really took that leap of faith went outside my comfort zone, never started a business in my life, never created a product in my life. Mm-hmm. But I was just so driven because I knew I had seen other people do it where they had a business and then they got the money and then they used the money to help others. I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I basically used that. And then I was like, well, I need a planner, but if I build this business, how can I use that to help um, people? Mm-hmm. So that is exactly what we did. So when we launched the 90-day planner, which is our, one of our main products right now, you know, we're not helping people set goals and take action steps to, you know, live the life they've always envisioned. But the most important thing is that through our buy one, give one model, mm-hmm. for every planner that is sold, we then provide school supplies to enhance the education experience for, for a child. I love that. And yeah, and so far we've sold over tens of thousands of planners globally, which is what excites me because I was able to not only just do it and sell it things locally, we I discovered Amazon everything. And so I listed it on Amazon US, I listed it on Amazon UK, I listed it on Amazon Australia. And we have people using our planners in all these different continents, and we still get to, you know, impact and, and provide these school supplies. For, for these kids in Africa. And uh, I think one of the other things too is I always talk about while we do help uh, and provide scholarships and education supplies in Africa, we also were looking in our backyard. And one of the places I'm also very passionate in anything with education, I love because I feel like education is the one thing, your thing that cannot be taken away from you, right? Because when you teach somebody how to do something, they can use that then to help better their lives. I mean, you can tell somebody that if you actually teach them how to do it, they can, 
figure out their own way to do it and they can go forward and they can teach somebody else to do it too. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what, that's what we were going for is, you know, if we're able to um, give these um, students these supplies while they're in school, we can then enhance also the education experience. And one of our, um, one thing that I'm super proud of about what we do is we try to identify the students that are, you know, quote unquote, forgotten. Because mm -hmm. there, there's so many other organizations out there that are helping other schools. So we try to go into the rural areas, the outskirts where, you know, resources are not necessarily reaching. Mm -hmm. We've been getting, you know, uh, applications because people get nominated, schools nominate themselves to get all these supplies and that we get pictures back and there's certain pictures where we've seen kids are having school outside under a tree and they're writing in the sand. And I'm like, how is, how, how are you going to remember? How is that going to be crystallized mm -hmm. in, in your brain when the wind blows and it rains, everything you've learned that day is gone. Yeah. Um, basically. So that was like, you, one only, of the, you tend to mm -hmm. only retain in your brain about 10% of what you're taught. Exactly. Right. And then you've already washed away. You don't even have a book to reference. Nothing, nothing. So for us to be able to provide these like school supplies for them, notebooks, pens, pencils, you know, erasers, all of these things that they need to be able to then enhance the education experience was really one of the, you know, fun and, 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 and exciting things that gets me out of bed. When I wake up in the morning, it's not really you know, how many planners am I going to sell? It's like, how many lives can I transform today? Mm -hmm. And I just happen to do it through, you know, selling 90 day planners. I happen to also do it through selling online courses and, you know, it's all of these, but for me, it's that passion to, to give back because mm -hmm. when the, when things get hard, when, you know, sales are not coming in or anything, I'm always reminded of a, a of, of the impact and I'm like all right what can I do to change my attitude about feeling so sad that things are not going my way and then that you know really brings and ties things in I love it love it for people who want to know more about the 90 day planners and more about hashtag this is my era how do they find you online yes yeah, so they can go on our website it is www.thisismyera.com and it's t-h-i-s-i-s-m-y-e-r-a.com love this it is my Thank era. You. we have just a few minutes like three minutes left is there anything you'd like to add Yes. One more thing I would love to add, and my husband loves to, he says it best, and I just love it. He says that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Mm -hmm. And that to me, every time I hear it, I'm like, whoa, right? So I always want to encourage people. I always want to, you know, inspire people like, hey, go for your dreams, dream big, push hard, get what you've always desired. But once you get there, Make sure you're fulfilled, right? You don't want to end up being that millionaire, billionaire that's miserable, mm -hmm. right? And you're just sitting there all day without that, that fulfillment or that drive. So if you're chasing that success, it's great, but success, make sure there's fulfillment attached to it. Yeah, and the question is, what is your definition of success? Um, I know when I first started with writing the books and stuff, again, our initial goal was not to make money. Our initial goal yeah. is... Our goal is to make sure that the messages within the pages of the books get out and touch the hearts that they need to touch. 
yours is to make sure that children don't face a lot of what you saw growing up and experienced growing up. Make sure that they are set up for success in their life instead of trying to fight and claw their way from the get-go. Exactly, exactly. And success, like you said, is different for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Because your definition for it is different. Mine is different. So it's really find that definition that you attribute to success because once you get there then you know you've made it because <laughs> then you can be able to measure it because once you're able to do that you know you know you right. made it. and the best way to be blessed is to be a blessing to somebody else yes i love that that is so true and there's so much in giving than in receiving <laughs> yeah when you actually can help somebody you know it's not it's not to pat yourself in the back is to see the joy on their face yes that's it. You know, or exactly to get that. the hug or to get the excited squeal, you know, yep. the hug <laughs> that, you know, you, you've helped them achieve or mm-hmm. get something that they couldn't get themselves. But you're, you, what you're doing is you're teaching them, not only that, but you're teaching them to help others exactly. by helping them. Yeah. The more we teach that to our children and to the next generation, the better off the generations following will be. Exactly, which is what I learned from watching my mom, you know, and taking people in and providing them, you know, this hospitality without expecting anything in return. And in, I internalize that. And now in things I do, I'm always looking for ways where I can impact somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be a millionaire to help somebody. You can yeah. make sure there's extra food on the table. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I... Like I said, I love that. I love your story. I love everything about it. Um, again, for those who are interested in finding Ruth stuff, it is www.thisismyera.com. That's www.thisismyera.com. Thank you for coming on today, Ruth, and for sharing your heart. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you guys for listening to The Journey is Real, where we talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. I'm CJ Peterson of cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.